Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Uh, we'll begin in verse 20, Luke 17. Uh, it is, as Drake said, it, I actually know who came to church today. I can see your faces. That's the good news. The bad news is, if you sleep, I'll know. So those of you hiding in the back, I know why. Uh, it's really good to have you here. If you're visiting for the first time, my name is Mark. I have the privilege of being one of the ministers here on staff, and we're really grateful for your contribution to our worship today. Uh, hearing you sing is a beautiful thing. Uh, encourages my heart. Uh, we have been in this gospel series, and we've been spending a lot of time in Luke recently, but in the, in the chronology of the story of Jesus. We spent a lot of time in Luke 14, 15, 16, and now we're in chapter 17. And Luke's doing some amazing things. He's focusing in on the kingdom. Kingdom is an odd concept to those of us who live in the United States. We don't have a king. We elect officials. They don't elect us. We don't have someone who from a long time ago was established over us and our land is their land and we serve them and what they want as sovereign we do. And as Americans, I'm grateful for that. We put people in positions for a set period of time, and we give them the right to make decisions on our behalf as representatives of us. Kings and queens are a different game altogether. They rule in a different way. So we Americans talk about a kingdom, we talk about a kingdom of heaven, and we can get our imagery so mixed up and messed up that we look at the kingdom and go, yeah, yeah, that's an old thing. No, please understand. The kingdom that Luke is talking about, the kingdom that Jesus came to produce has incredible value for us even today. Not because it's a kingdom versus a representative republic like we have. The reason it has great value is because of the king. I want you to hear me say that again. Being a part of a kingdom isn't in and of itself a good or bad thing. It all depends on the ruler. It all depends on the sovereign. It all depends on who the king is. And what Luke is pointing out to us is who our king is. And how this fits in God's story. And so this morning, I want to just begin with the very first point I want to make. And this won't be new to many of you, but hold with me for the initial step, and I'll show you why we're talking about it. God has promised a kingdom restored. All the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when he said, I'm going to send someone who's going to overcome what you just did to my creation. When he said to Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. When he said to King David, I'm going to send one of your sons who's going to sit on the throne for eternity. God has been telling us that the kingdom that was crushed in Eden will reestablish itself. And God began that day to send someone who would be the king of all kings. And we would want want to be a part of what he is doing. You see, it's a, a vision that Daniel had. That's just another example in our scriptures. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel had a vision and he shared it. This is his vision. In my vision at night I looked and and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days, that's God, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and a sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. He's called the son of man. And what's fascinating is that Jesus would use that expression of himself regularly, connecting Daniel's vision of the great one to come, the redeemer, the rescuer, the Messiah, the king. So even if you're uncomfortable with the whole monarchy, 
Remember that the kingdom has great value because who's ruling it? Not just that you're being ruled. And he's coming, and it's a kingdom that will have no end, is the promise. And what Luke is pointing out to us is that Jesus is telling us that the kingdom is here. Look at verses 20 through 21 of Luke 17. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, notice that they're catching on. He's talking a lot about this kingdom. And asking when it would come, Jesus answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus is saying that it's here. It's already begun. You see, the kingdom life, which Jesus is offering us, this eternal life, does not begin on the day we die. It begins on the day we choose to live by faith. It doesn't come on the day we express we want to live by faith. The kingdom rule in our life, our entering into the kingdom of heaven happens the moment we choose to walk by faith rather than talk by faith. And you don't have to wait to die to be a part of it. Saving faith in Jesus ushers us into his kingdom immediately. I remember being as a kid at church camp, hearing people say, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? I was like, no. Because my whole concept of going into heaven was had I earned it and I wasn't close. But in this kingdom that Jesus offers, it's walking by faith begins the process that we enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, if this is too theological for you and you're sitting here going, yeah, so what? Let's talk about Thanksgiving, can we? I don't know about you, but I start celebrating Thanksgiving today. And what I mean by that is I will make up for all the calories I'm going to eat another day. Today starts Thanksgiving for me. Anyone else want to join in? Some of you say, no, I want to wait till Thursday. Well, you're going to hate Sunday through Wednesday. And I'm going to enjoy Thanksgiving week because I'm gonna, I think it's my obligation to sample the food my family will eat on Thursday. If the pumpkin bread is going to be good on Thursday, I know it's really good today. If the butter pickles, which I love, or sweet pickles, which I love, I need to sample those because I would not want my family to have a bad experience. Jesus came to us and he said, I'm going to give you a taste of the kingdom. And I'm going to give it to you right now. And it won't be the full meal. You see, theologians say, it is here, but not yet. What? How can it be now and, not, and coming soon? Jesus said, no, no, I'm giving you a sample of it now. You, by walking by faith, can begin to experience the kingdom right now. Sample it, taste it. It's really, really good. And when it comes in its fullness, it is going to blow your ever-loving mind. But don't wait until you die to experience eternity. You can begin to experience it now. And Jesus said, the king is coming to restore what we broke. You see, it's not a matter of whether or not he's coming back. It's really a matter of whether or not you trust that he is. Because he will show up one day. And when he does, there's going to be a lot of surprised folks who sat in church a long time. Because they believed he could come back, but they didn't live like he would. And it'll make a difference. The king is coming to restore his kingdom. The second point I want to make is our response to Jesus is the presence of the kingdom. He's coming back. It's proven. If he can raise himself from the dead, he can show up again. And what we celebrated in the Lord's Supper just a few moments ago, the body and the blood, Jesus told you, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this blood, you proclaim my death until I come again. It's not will he, it's when he. You see, our response to Jesus is the presence of the kingdom. How you and I choose to walk by faith, not just talk our faith. One theologian wrote this, and I love this. 
The kingdom of God is the people of God, in the place of God, under the rule of God, doing what God has asked of them. How do you know the kingdom exists? Because it's the people of God, serving in the gifting that God gave them, under the authority of God, doing exactly what God asked them to do. There is where the kingdom exists. It's when we walk by faith. You see, they were unsure. They were saying, when's your kingdom coming? You keep talking about this kingdom. And Jesus said, there's not going to be this triumphal entry, this great moment that I go. It started. He's like, the moment I came, the kingdom broke through. The light began to shine in the darkness. And people found eternal life in me. That's when it started. He is the sign of the kingdom. And when we accept him, you see, his miracles and the fulfillment of the scriptures about him... The religious leaders missed it because they were looking for something so different. And Jesus said, it's in front of you, but you're not seeing it. Look at verse 22 through 26. So Jesus said to the disciples, they weren't the ones who asked the question, but he turns to his disciples, those who saw his miracles and knew his teaching. The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. Wait, he said, it's here, but it's not yet. And he said, but it's here, but then it's not going to be here. What's he talking about? And they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. I want to break this down into three bite-sized pieces. It's really simple what Jesus did here. And I know you see it, but let's walk through it. Jesus said, I'm establishing my kingdom and there will be a delay until its fullness. Yes, I am lamenting that Thursday's food will not be on the table today. But I can sample bits and pieces of it, awaiting with expectation that it's coming. I'm not going to have to look at Thursday and go, oh, today's Thanksgiving? Really? No, I'm happy now. My tail wags right now knowing how well I'm going to eat this week and how very few people in my family like pumpkin pie, which simply is interpreted in my world more for me. And that makes my heart happy. I don't even have to be selfish. It's all mine. And I look at that and I live with anticipation each and every day this week. I'm looking forward to Thursday. And Jesus is calling us to understand that there will be periods in our life when it's hard, when it's difficult, when Tuesday's really long and Wednesday's really boring and life's really hard and we're sick and we don't feel good. I can go on and on and on and you know what I'm doing, right? There will be a delay until the kingdom comes in its fullness, but you have to remember who promised you it was coming. The one who promises is the one you trust. The second thing he brings up in verses 23 and 24 is when it comes, everyone will know it. There's some real sketchy theology out there, and I have to be gentle, but I also want to be true. There's some real sketchy theology about Jesus coming back and a bunch of people missing it. All of a sudden, people are going to be gone, and other people are going to remain, and they're going, what happened? No, don't trust me. Do you hear what Jesus just said here? When I come back, like lightning that explodes across the sky, everyone sees it, and it will be that instantaneous, and no one's going to miss it. It's also said that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus returns, which means there will be no surprise. When the king of the universe arrives into our universe, you're not going to be able to avoid that. There will be a delay until it comes in its fullness, and it will come and everyone will know it. And thirdly, Jesus said, I must suffer to fulfill it. He said, it's going to cost me a great price to bring the kingdom in all of its fulfillment. And what he meant was his death on the cross and the sin he took on for all of us. So don't be surprised when to bring the kingdom into its fullness, you and I are going to have to suffer some too. Not to pay him back, 
but so others can understand the price he paid. When Christians do without because Jesus is enough, when Christians die a martyr's death because Jesus is enough, when people sacrifice their finances because Jesus is enough, the world will pay attention. When you're willing to suffer and die for something, you must really believe it. And if there's no suffering and death in our existence for the kingdom, the question is, do we really believe it? Oh, if I said right now, church, he's coming back, you're like, yay. But if I said to you, he's coming back tonight, would that change your yay? Would it change your choices? Would it change the way you live? Because if Jesus said the kingdom is here, you don't have to wait and try to figure out. Don't use the scriptures to try to put a calendar on when he's returning. Just listen to what he said. Can you trust me? My answer is I can. He said that I'm coming back. So live like it. Choose today to live like today he may come back. And make choices that build that kingdom. You see, the kingdom is now but not yet. And our response to Jesus opens the kingdom to us. Thirdly, the invitation is as old as mankind. This is not just a new invitation that Jesus made when he arrived. And to show you kind of the goofball that I am. And when I wrote that line, is as old as mankind, I started singing Beauty and the Beast. Now, I actually don't sing it because God would strike me dead, but I hummed it like Winnie the Pooh. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, Beauty and the Beast. And you'd think, well, you could have left the Beauty and the Beast part out. Nope, that's my story. He's the beauty, I'm the beast, and he chose to love me in my current state. It's a story of redemption, and it's beautiful. This story of redemption has been going on the whole time, church. It's not just since Jesus showed up. He uses two examples, one negative and one positive. He's trying to capture our attention that you can begin to experience the kingdom by living in its reality now while awaiting its fullness later. Remember the days of Noah, verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, Just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. So for those who who want to say, well, you know, Jesus is going to come back secretly and take a bunch of people. No, listen to what he just said. When the rain came... On the ark, God shut the door on that day, not over a period of time. When he told Lot to leave the city, he told him on what day to leave the city. And when Lot and his family left Sodom and Gomorrah, on that moment, the destruction came down. Not over time, but immediately. When Jesus returns, the verdict will be in on what you chose to be found. Innocent by faith or guilty by rejection. It's a harsh statement. That the ark was built because God told Noah to build a boat in a region that gets less than 10 inches of rain a year. Interesting. I'm thinking if God said to one of us, hey, build a boat in Joplin, we're like, dude, why not go up near Stockton or, or over in Oklahoma or one of the lakes? Or how about go to a real place that has huge lakes? Let's go to Michigan. Let's go to Wisconsin. Let's go to Minnesota. And God says, no, 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 I didn't ask you to do that. I asked you to build a boat in Joplin. There's no water. You know what I've learned? If God says he's going to flood Joplin, build a boat in Joplin. 
If God says he's going to come to you and have a conversation with you about the life you're living, then prepare for the conversation because his words are true. Remember, the kingdom only has value if there's a king you can trust. And so what's happening here is he says, look at these stories. I gave them a warning. I gave them something to do. And when they were faithful to my warning, when Lot and his family trusted me and left, they were spared. And when Noah built the ark and got in the ark, they were spared. And both of them called others to join them. But those others, according to Jesus, were too busy with everyday details to pay attention to the most important details. They got persuaded by the busyness of their lives that Jesus' kingdom was not nearly as important as their own. It's a challenge for all of us. Well, I don't know about you, it's a challenge for me. God has proven he is patient, but God has also proven he is honest. And he says there will be a day the rains will come and the floods will raise. There will be a day that fire and brimstone will pour down from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah, and there will be a day that Jesus returns, and every one of us will answer, what did we do with the life he gave us? And this is his warning. But notice, through obedience to the method of salvation, you can complain that God only offers you an ark. I'd suggest you get in it. You can complain that God is going to rain down his judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, but I would encourage you to get out of there. You can argue with God about the means in which, by which he saves you, or you can just receive it. Because trusting his means of salvation through Jesus Christ is the only way anyone will be saved. It's the ark and it's the promise to leave the city knowing that if you leave the city and faithfully follow him, he will deliver each and every one of us. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he was the ark. When Jesus came to earth, he was the prophet that called out, it's time to leave the comfort of our lives, the busyness of our lives, and building our own kingdom, and start getting in on the kingdom he's offering each and every one of us. And then we're told to remember Lot's wife. Verse 32, remember Lot's wife, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Lot's wife is interesting because her whole family left, but they were told not to look back. Don't look back on the old city. Keep your eyes forward. Trust me in this. And she decided that what she was giving up was more important than obedience to the king. And so she turned back and she instantly lost her life. And Jesus uses her as an example of how many of us will start to hear God's words and will start to leave the places he's asked us to leave and to start to head to the places that he wants to position us to and we'll look back with fondness on things And we'll look back on our kingdom and we'll wish we were back in our kingdom rather than serving his kingdom. I need to say this. God's kingdom is not a penalty. God's kingdom is not this Spartan existence where you're paying for all the sins of your past by not enjoying it now. Listen to me. God's kingdom is, is not like moving in a house without cable. You're like, that's not a big deal. Really? Because what we really like in our life is our comfort. We like our control. We like having things the way we want them. And if we follow Jesus to our death, he's going to take away some of the things we enjoy, but he's going to deliver to you something that's a greater joy. He's, if, you're, if you're going to hold on to this life, you can't have the next life because he who finds his life must lose it. So what Jesus is offering us is something greater, but you're going to have to trust the king that his greater is better than your greater. And lots an example that all of us struggle with, that we question his means of deliverance. 
And for many of us, that means we won't be delivered. Verse 34. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. He said, there are people relaxing in their homes. There are people hard at work. And when Jesus comes back, the decisions that they have made will indicate what happens to them. The choices we make when Jesus returns will be the final verdict. It won't be that God is condemning us. It will be we've condemned ourselves by not being faithful to these promises. So whoever tries to keep his life must lose it. And he who's willing to lose his life will hold on to what they have right now. It's very similar to the fate of the rich man and Lazarus we talked about. Where he made choices that served him today but had no eye to the future. No investment in the real kingdom. He chose to hold on to a kingdom that wasn't, had no reality to it. One scholar put it this way. There will be a painfully discriminating judgment when Jesus returns. A painful discriminating judgment. doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter how much you have. It matters whether or not you trusted the king and received the invitation into his kingdom. Verse 37. And they said to him, where, Lord? This is so human. And it's a fair question. They're like, where do we need to go? Where, where do we need to be? You know, do we need to be on the mountain where, where Noah was, where he built this? Or do we need to go to this city? Or where is this all going to take place? And Jesus' response, he said, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And that just makes so much sense, doesn't it? I always want to answer that to my boys when I'm coming. Hey, say, Dad, can I stay out late tonight? Where the corpses are, the vultures will gather. <laughs> just have them look across the room at their mom like, what? It worked for Jesus. So my house, I'm very fortunate to have found the house when we moved here that we were able to have. And it's surrounded by two acres of woods. Every now and then I'll be in my backyard working or sitting out on the back deck or something and I'll look and there'll be these big turkey vultures in the trees. Those turkey vultures don't live in our neighborhood. They come, however. And I remember the first time we were out there and I did a little internet research. I'm a city kid, so forgive me, you hunters. But I'm like, those are ugly, nasty. What are they doing in our woods? And then I realized probably a deer had died in the woods and the vultures smelled the decay and the destruction and they showed up in my backyard for their Thanksgiving. And when the deer was gone, so were the vultures. Now maybe that'll help us explain what Jesus just said. When I come, the devastation will be apparent all over the globe. And there will be death and decay all over because people chose not to take serious the invitation I gave them to escape this hell and enter into heaven. And heaven is not a distant land in the clouds. Heaven is the new heaven and earth that he's establishing here. That he's going to recreate the paradise of the Garden of Eden. And you and I will go to that great banquet and we will celebrate that great day, not because we're good, but because he is true. And those who don't believe he's true will not walk by faith. And I don't wish this on any single person. You know, I've never been wanting to be a preacher that says, if you, know, if you died today, but let me ask you, if you died today, would today be a testimony of the goodness of God's kingdom? Or would it be a testimony to you building your own? protecting your own interests, not risking anything, but living a comfortable existence of survival? Or will it be a statement to say, I will even suffer today so others know how good my king is. And even if I suffered the rest of my life, what I would receive from my king for honoring him will be greater than anything I ever could have imagined. Where are you going to come back? Jesus said, don't worry about it. When I come back, you'll know. The entire world will know. 
There will be those that will be saved from the flood and from the fire, and there will be those that will be destroyed by the flood and the fire. Where is our kingdom? So as I like to close, let's do it this way. I'd like to talk to your head, your hearts, and your hands. I'd like to tell you what Jesus is challenging us with, is why I do it this way. To the head, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom is available now. Do you trust him? Do you trust the way he delivers? Do you trust his goodness? Do you trust that he has your best interests at heart? And can you give your heart to him? I am not asking anybody here to develop a hatred for the world. I'm just asking you to find a deeper love for grace than for your stuff, for your fame, and for your reputation. Can you contemplate what he's offering us? Can you understand that the not yet kingdom is here now and can be experienced? To your hearts, are you someone whom God is trying to deliver from a life of sin and rebellion? Are you someone who God is speaking to today, telling you that there's more to this life and you're fully invested in this life? But this life will end. Woody Allen said it so well. The odds are still true. One out of one people die. And we're all going to stand one day and say, what did I do with the life I was given? Remember Noah. Had a tough task in front of him and he did it. And he was mocked and he was ignored and he still built the ark and he was rescued by the means God gave him and God was faithful and true and Noah and his family were spared and they were delivered into a new world where they were established under God's sovereignty. Remember Lot's wife who knew that destruction was coming but the things of this world kept her from caring, distracted her and dissuaded her and she lost her life because she was too worried about this kingdom and not the right one. See, don't develop a hatred for the world. Develop a deeper love for grace. For our hands, some of us in this room, probably every single one of us, are doing some things we should not be doing. We're believing in some things we should not be believing. And we're trusting in things that have already been proven not to be true. We need to repent because this is not a game. This is whether or not we truly want to be a part of the new kingdom or not. The things of this world fight for our desires and we must prepare our hearts to keep our eyes focused on the king so that his kingdom becomes our passion. This text is not to help us chart the future. When Jesus said, no man knows the time or date, listen to him, nobody knows. Don't show up at the Holiday Inn Ballroom and listen to another seminar telling you when these things come together. I've lived long enough that I can remember a book, 88 things that will happen in 1988 to return Jesus. Really? 30 years later, waste of time. Jesus said, don't get caught up in the details of how and when I'll return. Just remember I will. Do you trust him? Because if you do, it's not just your head and your heart. It becomes your hands and your feet. Today is a testimony opportunity. Let's taste of the goodness of the Thanksgiving banquet in heaven today. And let's live in anticipation of that celebration. Around this room are the four tables with the lamps lit, and some of our elders and staff are heading to those right now. This morning, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I am telling you that Jesus can be trusted. Jesus has never lied, and he has given his life to prove to you how much he loves you. And he is telling you that there is a greater kingdom in life than the one you and I are choosing. And one day he said, I will come back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's God. But some will confess my God and some will confess the God. 
And I want every single person who can hear my voice today to be able to say, he is my God. I know him on my own and I live my life for him. And if you're not doing that right now, I would love to have a conversation with you. Our elders and staff would love to have a conversation with you. We're not going to put any pressure on you. We're just going to tell you from one satisfied customer to a potential customer, Jesus Christ is worth following. And his kingdom is fantastic. And he is true and faithful and good. And if you are a believer in Jesus, may today become, no matter what you have planned, change your plans. May today be the day we celebrate the ark of deliverance in Jesus Christ. And may we give a testimony to this world we live in that a greater kingdom is coming than we've ever experienced. It's real, and the king is what makes it worthwhile. If today's the day you would like to make a decision for Jesus during our song service, you can go to one of these tables, or you could... Come into the foyer, find me afterwards to begin a conversation about what it means to trust this king. Let's stand together. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.